listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. stands behind a pulpit is preaching the truth of God's Word. Not everyone on the radio, not everyone on social media, not everyone on podcasts. You need to be so careful with that. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, I would be amiss not to warn you of the dangers out there. Because remember, words were for creation, not just communication. We think just words are Words are are for creation. And you've got to remember that you've got to have the right word spoken into you. What does Romans 10, 17 tell us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or faith comes by hearing and that is hearing the word of God in our life. We need to hear the word of God. We need his word, not man's opinions. Because his word's the only thing that's going to steer us right. That's your bonus tonight. So when you're not right spiritually, you know what's going to happen? It's going to leak out in your words. And for some, we are the opposite. Instead of it leaking out in our words, we stop communicating. We shut down completely. Listen to me, it's not always what's being said. It's the problem. Sometimes it's the things that need to be said, that we're not saying, that we're holding back. I want to give a help to all the parents. Any parents in here? Let me see all the parents in here. Can I tell you one of the most important things that you need to make sure that you keep open with your kids is this. You need to make sure you keep open a line of communication. Keep a line of communication. I was listening to a pastor the other day and he was talking about how they were having trouble with one of their teenage sons. And his pastor that he actually sat under He was talking to his pastor and he said, you know, I'm having trouble with my son. And he asked him this question. He said, does your son still talk to you? And he said, yes, sir, he does. He still talks to me. He said, in fact, he maybe talks to me more now than he ever has done before. He said, as long as he's talking to you, it's going to be okay. What are you saying? You've got to do everything you can to open the line of communication with your kids. And just adapting things and and doing things. One of the things that Kelly and I have instituted in our home is what we've called pillow talk. Pillow talk is that our kids, any night after they're in bed, they can break curfew if they have something in their heart that they need to talk to us about. They're not just going to come and just talk about anything. This is a special time. If you need that time, it's available for you, and we're going to use that time. But it's amazing how open people can get at night time. And when they're supposed to be in bed, all of a sudden they're full of wanting to talk and wanting to get with all this. But the importance of keeping that communication open is so, so, so important. So here's the last point about our words. Are you ready? Wisdom is not always knowing what to say. But wisdom is also knowing what not to say. It's not about what I need to say. 
but what I need not say. And keeping my mouth shut. So what's the symptoms of your world? words because they reveal a deeper need in your life. What's going on in your heart is going to be heard by your words. Here's the fourth question. Are you ready? Am I a good steward? Am I a good steward? Stewardship can refer to several things. We can talk about stewardship in the realm of time. That's a managing our time, being a good steward with our time and everything. But I want to speak specifically about stewardship in this realm, in your money and in your finances. In your money and in your finances. Because you've got to understand tonight, you're not an owner, you're a steward. You don't own everything that you have. God's blessed you with that. And your responsibility is stewardship. You are to manage what is not yours, but that God has graciously afforded and given it to you. Look at the scripture from Matthew 6, verse 21. It says, For where your treasure is, where you focus your money, where your spending habits are, what you value, what's the priority of your life, guess what else shows up there? Guess what shows up what you, with where your treasure is? Look what the Bible says. There your heart will be also. I believe another great indicator of where we are spiritually, the symptom of our spiritual life is where we put our money because money is a test. We see it over and over again through Scripture. It's a test that God uses and presents to each and every one of us. And please notice that that verse doesn't say where your heart will be or where your heart is. Many people misquote that Scripture. They say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. No, it doesn't say that. It says that our heart follows what? Our treasure, not the other way around. So what we treasure the most, the natural has to be first. And and that's why tithing is a tough test, because we don't see the supernatural until we do the natural. We don't see the increase until we take a step of faith and give the first fruits to God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, everything that you have. How do we honor Him? By recognizing it's all His. It's all yours, God. And what does He say? And with the first fruits of your increase, with the first fruits of everything you have. So here's the promise. As we honor God with our tithe, as we give Him the first fruits of our life, verse 10 says, Your barns are going to be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's not going to be stale. There's going to be freshness that's going to happen in your life. There's going to be an overflow. I love that. Through what? Honoring God. It tells you a lot about where your heart is, by the treasure that you have, by where you put your money. Because your treasure, and what is the treasure to you, and the most important is where your heart is going to be. Look at this from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, but he's using the people of Macedonia as an object lesson. And here's what he says to them, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 and 2. He says, Moreover, brethren, we made known to you the grace God's bestowed on the church of Macedonia. Again, the example that he's given to the church of Corinthians. He says that in their great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 
Can I explain that to you? Because that's a mouthful there. Are you ready? They were persecuted. They had nothing. They were financially poor. Yet, we just read they had great joy and liberality in their giving. They didn't allow their lack and their need to stop them from giving God His portion and giving it with joy and thanksgiving to God. And they went over and above because they gave liberally. They gave liberally to God. That's what we just read. You see, it's not the trials that's the problem in our life many times. It's when we allow our joy and our generosity to be affected. We're all going to have trials. We're all going to have tribulations. But through the storms, what have we got to do? We've got to honor God still with our first fruits and everything we have. And there's perhaps no greater indicator of really where our heart is than what we treasure. Because what we treasure is where our heart is going to be. If we treasure God, we're going to put Him first and we're going to pay our tithes and we're going to give to Him, revealing what? A relationship of love before God. I love you, God. I honor you. I give you what is yours. And understand this, generosity is more than just an offering to. Generosity frames our mind, it frames our life and it frames our being. It's so powerful. Can you, do you know you can be generous with nothing? Lady with two mites, she gave everything. She was more generous, Jesus said, than anyone else, and she had nothing in man's eyes. You see, generosity isn't the amount. Generosity is the willingness or the heart still to give. And having a heart that loves God. Jump down to verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 8. and Look what it says. He's talking to the Corinthians, using the Macedonian church of their liberality and everything they gave. And now he's looking at them, the Corinthian church, a wealthy church, having everything together and everything in its place. And he said, and this is the advice I gave, or I give this advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. What is Paul saying? He says, last year you were the first to give and you wanted, your desire was to give. That's where you were last year. But something's happened. Something's taken place. Your desire has now gone and your desire has now left you. He's challenging them. You've got to pick that up again and find that again. Because look, people who had nothing still gave with joy and God blessed them liberally. Don't forget what used to be a joy to you needs to remain a joy to you. Because when you're in relationship with God, it's a joy to be able to bring back to God. What is all his in the first place. And he lets me keep 90%. He's a good God. You know, if you look at your bank statement, it's going to tell you two things. It's going to tell you what you treasure, what's your priority, and it's going to tell you whether you're trusting God or not. And I'm telling you, every one of you, you better be trusting God because there's no greater return on the face of this earth today, then placing your hope, your family, your finances, your life in the hand of God. Because what do we see from God's word? Your first is going to determine what comes later. Seek ye first. Give to me first. Because the promise is this. Are you ready? If you give to him first, he'll redeem the rest. 
That means he'll take care of it. I don't know how he does it. Uh, he's got a different calculator to me. He, he, he figures it out. But you know why I can't figure it out? I'm telling you why I can't figure it out, because it's supernatural. If I could figure it out, it would be natural. But it's supernatural. So if I give it first to him, he redeems the rest. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I haven't got enough. And you never will if you don't give first to God. You've got to give to God and he will redeem, meaning he will handle the rest. And trust me, he will. Trust me, he's never failed on his side. He said, prove me, put me to the test and I'll pass every time. Every time. Do I have any tithers in the house? Every time. Every time. Doesn't mean there's some struggles. Doesn't mean there's some things. We may have to go without Starbucks for four days, but we're going to live. We're going to make it. That's no lack. Huh? We can make it through by honoring God because we give Him first, He redeems the rest, but without Him having first, you're going to be left with a need. You're going to be left with a great need. Your tithe, your money is a great revealer of the spiritual condition of your life. Look at this statement. Tithing is not a money thing. Money is just a test. It's an obedience thing. Because if God knows He can prove that you'll prove Him and you'll obey with that test, the hardest test, one of the hardest things, don't touch my kids, don't touch my money. That's probably two of the biggest things that we would say in our life. Just leave those things alone. With that, it's not a money thing. God uses that as the test. He wants our obedience. Listen to me, tithing is not how the church raises its budget. Tithing is how God raises His children. It's how He builds His children. Your money tells a lot about your heart. And again, first natural, then supernatural. I've got to first give before even the... I see the return. I've got a promise of return, but the promise of the return is not a return in my hands. I've got to first naturally give. The natural makes way for the supernatural and the spiritual of God. Show me your treasure, and I'll show you your heart. What you treasure the most. Last but not least, this is okay tonight. Fifth question is this. Natural first. Question number five, am I planted? Am I planted? Or as you say, planted. Am I planted? I was laughing with someone earlier today that when Kelly and I were looking to name, we didn't know, we, we knew we were having a baby, but we didn't know whether we were having a boy or a girl. It was a surprise for us. We had um, four girls already. We had one boy, so we had enough of each. You know, we, Whatever we were going to have, it was going to be a blessing. So Kelly had all these great names, and she was like, hey, yeah, I love this name. And she would say it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I would say it, and she's like, hold on a second. <laughs> Sounds really cool American, doesn't sound good English. So then it got to be a joke that every cool name she had, she wanted to know what it sounded like with me. Like, like one of the names that she liked was Parker. Parker. How do you say it? Parker? Parker? And I say Parker. She's like, boom, uh-uh, not good. What was the other one that came up with? There was a couple, and she's like, man, you just killed it with that English accent. You just killed it. So am I planted? Am I planted? Okay, Psalms 92, verse 13 and 14 says, those, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. That means they're not going to diminish. They're going to keep picking up steam as they get older. 
They shall be fresh and they shall be flourishing. You know what the key there? The key is the word planted. Those who are planted, meaning those who are rooted in. Those whose roots go down deep. Those who are unmovable. Those who are committed. Those who are serving. Those who are tithing. Connected and involved. They're going to flourish in the courts of God. I'm not, I'm not much of a gardener, but I know enough. My dad was a farmer, so I was brought up on a farm, so I understand it. But one thing I do know is this. If you go to the store, you find things in small pots. You don't keep those things in that small pot, or you'll have a small plant. You've got to take them out of that small pot, and you've got to put them either in a bigger pot, or you've got to put them in the ground. Why? Because the plant or the tree, the flower, whatever it is, will grow relatively to the size of the pot it's in. Small pot, small plant, flower. Big pot, big plant, big flower. Ground earth, limitless size of what it can accomplish and grow. So the bigger the pot, the bigger the potential, and the bigger the opportunity of growth. Uh, It just really bothers me that we've got a lot of pot Christians. We've got a lot of pot Christians. What do I mean by that? They are planted in themselves. Full of themselves, their own opinions, their own thinking. They want to be in control. Don't mess with me. I'm my own identity. I'm my own zip code. I'm cool. They are plant Christians. You know the result? They're going to be small and limited in their life. And there'll be probably no fruit that's going to come. Small, if any, fruit that's going to come. There's going to be a greater risk of drying up in drought. When the rains don't come, there's greater risk of being destroyed because there's not going to be great depth of roots. And you're going to find yourself controlled by the pot. It's really funny to me that a lot of people say, I don't want to give my life to Christ because I don't want to come under His control. If you're not under His control, whose control do you think you're under? You think you're under your own control. I'm telling you right now, the pot has control over the plant. You don't have control over your life. It's either God or the enemy. So I would much rather give my life over to someone who wants to see my life prosper and be blessed than someone who wants to kill, steal and destroy because that's all the enemy wants to do. Some other translations of Psalms 92, 13 and 14 says this, those who are transplanted, I like that, taken from one place into another. Every one of us have a testimony of what God has taken us from. We're taking us from a life of addiction, sin, bondages, broken, maybe even self-righteousness. We were taken and transplanted and placed into God, taken out of what was limiting our lives and restricting our lives and placed into something that gives us complete liberty, complete freedom and a chance to grow. Whether you're in a church, natural first, I believe, says a lot about your spiritual condition. Whether you're in church or not, I believe it says so much because if we're staying away from church, many times it's because there's a bigger issue that's going on in our life. Don't let offense keep you from His house. Don't let others keep you from His house. Don't let opinions keep you from His house. Don't let disagreements keep you from His house. Don't let looks or no looks keep you from his house. What do I mean, man? She looked at me crazy. 
I ain't going back there. They didn't even look at me. I mean, come on, get a life. I mean, what's going on? Looks or no looks? What? Don't let sickness keep you from the house. Don't let poverty keep you from the house. Don't let pain keep you from the house. You get in the picture. Don't let anything keep you from the house. The enemy wants to keep you out of the house because he knows the ability. He wants to keep you small-minded. He wants to keep you on your own so you'll be a pot Christian. He, wants, he doesn't want you planted to grow and for your family to grow and your kids to be involved in kids club and be in wave youth. He doesn't want to see the next generations be blessed. He wants to keep us down, keep you from your, his house, the house of God, because he knows there's life in the house. I'm telling you right now, church doesn't save you, but it helps keeping you saved. And we need to be in the house every day. When people's attendance is down, it usually means their relationship is not where it needs to be. When their relationship or their attendance is up, it usually means everything's going good. I'm telling you right now. We were taught as kids that any problem that we had, we didn't run from the house. We ran to the house. God is our source. He's our provision. He's our way. And what does the scripture say? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. You want to build your family, your finances, your future in something? I want to build it in something that hell will not prevail against. And the only thing is the church of God. Build your life, your family in the church of God. Some people may get upset and say, well, just because I come to, don't come to church doesn't mean I love Jesus. I never said that. There are exceptions to every rule. But, you know, as a child of God, I believe we need to live according to the rules, not the exceptions. And we need to govern our lives and live our lives according to his word. Because what I know is this. I I feel like David when he says, you know what? I, I was full of joy. There was gladness in my spirit. There was an excitement that came over to me when they said, come on, let us go into the house of the Lord where there's singing, where there's dancing, where there's liberty. I was glad when they said unto me, man, I'm going to church. I'm happy about church. I'm excited about being in church. I've got to end this. I've got to end this message already going over. So what is your natural saying about you? What visible symptoms is the natural really displaying to the invisible or greater need spiritually. Spiritual problems have natural symptoms and small symptoms can have life-threatening effects. So talk to me about your thoughts. Talk to me about your friends. Talk to me about your words. Talk to me about your money. Talk to me about your church participation because they're all natural things that really represent where you are spiritually. And when we're talking about where you are spiritually, we're talking about where your relationship with God really is. You see, the reality is we can fool many people, but we'll never fool God. Natural first, then spiritual. Bow your heads with me tonight. Precious Jesus. God, I just thank you for everyone tonight. I had some excitement in the house. The lights went out. The power went out. Things happened. Pastor Pete turned the switch off in the back. But God, we just thank you tonight that, God, great excitement can happen in our lives right now. And God, I pray that you would take our natural, that we would look at the natural things of our life. And we would realize, God, natural has to be first. 
before the spiritual. God, we pray that we would get our thoughts in line with your word. That we would get our relationships and our friendships in line with your word. That we would get some iron sharpeneth iron friends, not lead that will take me to the bottom. That God will put a a guard on our mouths, that that we would have wisdom of what to say and not to say. Because God, it reveals so much, because from our heart comes our words. They're the fruit of our heart. And God, I pray that our fruit would be wholesome. I pray that our fruit would be honoring you. God, building up others, not tearing down. Because words are for creation, not for destruction. God, I pray that we would be stewardships with our money, God, that which you've given to us and trusted into us. God, how can you give us more if we can't pass the test with what we already have? Because, God, your word says if we can't be faithful in giving in the little things, we'll never be honored with the greater things. And we get frustrated, but, God, if we can't pay tithes on $10, we'll never pay tithes on $10,000. We want you to bless us, but, God, we want to honor our terms. Where, God, we've got to be clear and understand only blessings can come by your terms. And, God, I pray that we would look at our lives and say, where am I planted? What's going on? Am I being faithful to the house? Am I being faithful to God? Am I a casual Christian just kind of dating God casually? Come on, he wants to be the husbandman. He wants me, the church, to be his bride. He wants to be in an intimate, everyday continual relationship with me. And God, I pray that I would get all these things in line because these things are symptoms of something greater that needs to take place. And I need to get the natural right so you can take your super to my natural and make my life supernatural. But God, you can't super the wrong natural because God, then you are condoning sin. And God, your word says that you cannot even look upon sin, never mind condone it and accept it. And God, we pray that we would get our hearts right. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Who would just lift up their hand right now and say, Pastor, you know what? Some things of my natural need to be put in order. Come on, who's got some hands up in this house? Some things of my natural need to be put in order. I need to take control of those things and can't blame anyone else. Got to do it. Come on, let me see those hands. Keep those hands up. I need to do it. I need to do it. God, every hand that's up, God, I pray that you would touch their life that you would change their life, that you would help their life, that, God, they would grasp this and realize the truth of this. So many times we're so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. God, we've got to get the earthly, natural right so we can be right spiritually to impact and touch those around us. Because, God, I'm tired of seeing Christians turning people off to God when, God, our lives need to be turning people on to you. We thank you, we praise you. Just keep your head bowed. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.